we're going to uh, jump right into the message today, and uh, we're going to talk about seeking first the kingdom of God. And it's kind of, uh, it's been a life message for us. And uh, let me just put it on the screen there, and uh, we'll read it together, or I'll read it out loud. It says this, uh, Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you today for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is always good, Lord Jesus. No matter what season of life we're going through, we can always go back to the word of God. We can always base our life on the word. And today, God, as the word goes out into each and every one of our hearts, Lord, I pray that we would receive it and we would begin to produce a harvest in our life. God, I pray that this next week, Lord, is going to be a great week filled with the the glory and the grace of God. And everybody who believed that said, Amen. Amen. Um, okay. Yeah. Thanks. We both like to talk, so this is going to be interesting today. You guys better pray. I got a clock working here. You're going to be sitting there for a long time. Just kidding. Lighten up. Have fun today. <laughs> yeah, we are hopefully going to have fun. I'll tell you all Casey's secrets. Um, anyway, yeah, so we just wanted to share with you guys um, and share from our hearts about this scripture. Um, when we, is this even working? Yeah. Okay. Um, when we got married, this was a scripture that was just prayed over us and you know, you don't really think a whole lot of it, but we will be celebrating our 18th wedding anniversary this year. And, um, you know, some of you might've been married longer in here, but AKA my (laughs) in-laws, but, but that's a decent amount of time, especially in this day and age. And, um, when we look back over those 18 years, we can see how this kind of became a theme of our marriage and even our lives. And not necessarily because we're so smart or because we had it so figured out or we were so on track, but it was, uh, just a simple, simple principle of seeking first the kingdom of God. And it's really, um, transformed every part of our life. It transforms how we make decisions as we kind of started going, Hey, we're not doing so bad living this out. We've actually made it more of a focal point. Um, and so we just want to share with you some of the journey that we have been on in life and what this looks like in real life. You know, um, I preached a sermon a while ago, but it was kind of about not compartmentalizing, compartmentalizing God. Like we don't put him in certain bubbles and certain certain circles where I've got religion or the Bible over here and that they're all integrated and they all flow together and just showing you how this works in every aspect of our life. And so just, um, a brief history on us. We were both raised in, uh, born and raised in Seattle, Washington. And we met at the university of Washington, our freshman year, we were 18 and we were young. Yay. And we got married right after Casey's 21st birthday. We were both still in school and finishing that. And then after I graduated, we moved to San Diego, California and spent nine years there. And it was in the process of being there that that's when we entered into full-time ministry. And that's where our children were born. Yay. And so, um, and then through a series of events, we went and spent four years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And if you need yeah, to, yeah. you can look that up when you get home. Um, you know, where was that? That happens to be the capital of that state. But we went and spent four years in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and those were great years. But that whole time we had in our heart to come start a church in LA. And, um, so that's just kind of our journey. Sometimes people are like, where and they kind of can't figure it out. And so as we share and as we talk today about different ways in which we have sought first the kingdom of God and what that's looked like in the natural, I mean, down to like picking the house you're going to live in or are you going to take a job or straight up, should I be friends with this person um, is just really how it has applied in our life on a very real and on a very natural level. This isn't just some spiritual thing that you quote to say, oh, you just, you just need to seek first the kingdom of God. Like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so that's what we kind of want to talk about here today because it's real and it affects your life and, um, it, it, it can give you a great life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Are we getting a new mic here? <laughs> it's out here. It's all cutting out. Okay. Yeah. Paige can just yell. Johnny, make sure it's in the camera too. There's a cam button on the board there. That'll put the red mic in it. Uh, anyways, bad mic. Uh, yeah, so the idea that we wanted to kind of share is just looking at uh, not our life as an example so much as our life as we've, Paul says this, he says, look, follow me as I follow Christ. And uh, there are not a ton of good examples in the world. 
And uh, we always want to find places, and we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but we want to say, hey, look, we've put this in, in practice, and we've been blessed, and we've walked in health and healing and grace, and we've seen lots of miracles in our own personal life, from ranging from finances all the way to uh, just life in general. And we want to have a church that's filled that way with people who are generous and people who are serving the Lord. And in case you have missed it, that the world is struggling to make good decisions. And the reason the world is struggling to make good decisions is they've removed the number one decision-making device out of our lives, which is the Bible, right? If we have nothing to tether to, then we're just going to be like a boat drifting off in sea. And it just kind of feels like, well, this feels like the right idea. Well, that could be, you could be on the top of a wave and then you're at the bottom of the wave and the wave's crashing on top and you're thinking, well, what should I do now? This was a bad idea, right? Well, if you're tethered to something like the word, then you'll be able to say, no matter what the waves are doing and whether they're crashing on you or the sun's shining on you, that you know you made a good decision because the word is always the best way to make decisions. It's the only book, only text in all of the world that has withstood the test of time. And uh, there are more New Testament manuscripts to the tune of tens of thousands than any other ancient text. There are zero contradictions in the word of God. People say, well, what about when it means this? And what about when it means that? Don't, don't buy into all those arguments. Those are what's called the red herring, okay? Those are just distractions to pull you away from the word of God. And when we got that verse prayed over us, like Pate said, it wasn't something we would think about, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I got to seek first the kingdom of God. It was just something that began to sink deep into our life over the last 18 years. And as we started doing things, it was like, oh, okay, we... This is putting that verse into practice of really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then it says all these things will be added to you. And all these things are what the world wants, right? Food, shelter, clothing. We want all those in abundance. And that's the things that we start seeking after instead of putting God first in our life. And we'll, when we don't make decisions that are based on the will of God, then what happens is we try and fill ourselves with those things. We want more food. We want more shelters. We want more you know, clothes or whatever it is. And you can kind of uh, you know, typify those into whatever things that the world is looking for even now. You know what I mean? Shelters, homes, we know that food and pleasure and all those different things. Clothing is just to be affluent and to see people want you to, to like you and all these different aspects. We can take them into different trails. But the idea is that if we put God first, then all these things, God knows that we need them and he'll add them to us. God created us. And so he knows what we need. Even furthermore, he knows what we want. So there's the general idea that we all need something, but God goes, I know every hair on your head. Now, for some people, that's easier to know than, than others. But now God knows that he knows, I know every single hair. I know I created you. I know what's going to fulfill you best in life. And so for us, uh, when we moved from Seattle to San Diego, that was a huge step uh, because we only knew a handful of people in San Diego and we've never lived anywhere apart from our family. We're family people. We love being around our family. We just spent a week in, in Palm Springs with my parents and we loved it. We had a great time and they loved us for a few days, right? Yeah, and my dad's like, yeah, a couple of days. You know, up until Wednesday, it was fine. You know, <laughs> but the idea is that we, we totally got out of our comfort zone and out of what would make or what would seem logical from a, you know, a normal perspective. All of our contacts, all of our friends, if we were going to do food, shelter, clothing, if we were going to just pursue careers and things like that, moving to San Diego was not the right thing to do where we knew nobody, right? But the point is we got down to this verse and God began to lead us to seek first his kingdom and his will. And that's, that's a big step because God may not be leading you to leave another city, right? But on a day-to-day basis, he is asking us and, 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 and commanding us to seek first his will. If we say we're believers and we, we want God's will to be done in our life, then we have to almost pray that on a daily basis. God, I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness today, not my own and not somebody else's will. Yeah, I would just say, you know, having made major moves in life, you know, no one likes to pack up their whole house or leave everything behind, whichever method of moving you take on. And we've lived in uh, maybe 10 houses now, something like that. that. We like to move. And, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. If you've moved, you know, it's expensive. You know, it's hard work. And um, whether you're moving for a career, whether you're moving for a job, you're moving for ministry, you got to know that God is in it. You've got to know that the reason you're moving should not be for a paycheck. It should not be for a benefit package. Now, those things are great. 
great to have. And hopefully they can align with that as well, because we believe that God wants to prosper us. Um, and so, but you want to move when you're moving a career or a job or something, because you know, that's where God is placing you because otherwise you're just going to hit that daily grind that eight to five, which most of us don't work an eight to five. It ends up being an, you know, an eight to 10. It just begins to consume our life. And if you're trading your life for something, you want to know that it's what God is calling you to do. And we, at city of God, we call being on mission when your geography, your gifts and talents and your <laughs> all of it intersects. And so calling. you're calling your geography and your gifts and talents all intersect. And that's where you want to be. And only when you seek first the kingdom of God, will he lead you to that place where those three things come together. Yeah. Otherwise we're just working the cogs in the system. And so I'm an example of this. And I'm going to tell a story because I like to tell Casey stories is I remember we were living in San Diego and, um, we were there and we had done ministry for two years, just free for free and kind of just lived. And, um, we worked remotely before working remotely was very popular. Yes, yeah. we did. It was still dial up internet, baby. You had to dial it up and we worked remotely. Um, but all of that was coming to a close and we had had employers that really supported what we were doing. And all of a sudden it just like dried up yeah. and we had made a couple investments early on and we found out in a matter of a week that those were all gone and just kind of everything we thought we had set ourselves up to do was just gone in a week. And we knew we kind of wanted to do ministry, but we knew we needed to make money and eat. Right. Does anybody ever feel that I want to do good stuff, but I also need to make money. Right. right. And so we were kind of stuck at that juncture. And so, uh, the church we were at, they wanted Casey to do this internship. And I was just like, are you kidding me? We were a couple years from our degrees. Yes. You can be proud to know that he is a geographer and I'm a sociologist. Yeah. And so we're, we're far from our degrees and we're just like, God, what do you have for us? Like we have given to the kingdom of God. We have sought first the kingdom of God. And like the doors were not opening. They just, they were not, they were slammed shut. I mean, we were working half. I don't know. We just were not where we thought we wanted to be. And I have found that in seeking first the kingdom of God, a lot of times you don't go on the pathway that you'd ideally like to go on that you think is right. And so anyway, Casey had a business. He had a graphic design business and was building some websites and worked at this um, other job kind of on the side. And I was working full time and I was pregnant with Catalina and I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> I mean, after, you know, just a couple of years, you're just like, this doesn't seem like it's working. Have you ever been there and following God and you just don't feel like it's working or it's quite coming together? And so I remember one day I was really mad. Casey was going to actually teach an intern class and lead a prayer time. And I was mad at him because I was like, come on, like we put church first. We put God first and look where we're at. We are nowhere the better for it. And, um, I was upset with him and I, I don't know if I told him at the time or whatever. I probably, probably. did because I usually do. <laughs> and I was just kind of upset. I mean, here we're getting ready to have a baby. And I was just like, come on. And, um, that was probably in like October, November. And what I realized was he just kind of had something in his heart. I don't know if he was just doing what he knew to do and doing the best he could, or if he really had it all figured out, but, um, he was teaching and praying and leading this group at our church. And I really wanted him working more, making more money, giving us security. And really within the next 30 to 60 days, the church had a major transition. And they basically asked us if we would come in and we would be the youth pastors. And that's we basically got offered our full, first full-time position staff, like paid for real, um, at a church. And it was like, it's something we had wanted and something we had desired. And I realized in that moment that so many times as Christians, our job is to position ourselves. There's a scripture in Joshua that says, you don't need to fight in this battle, but stand still and see the salvation of your God. And many times when we're seeking first God, we're simply positioning ourselves so that then he can come and fight on our behalf and open the doors for us of opportunity when we're standing there positioned and ready for him to bless us. And that's really what happened. And then begin to crack open an entire door of opportunity in front of us. But it came simply, and I have to say this from Casey, just really being willing to not look at the dollars in the sense, but to really seek first the kingdom of God and, and put some time and put some energy into an area when I was like, go make a few more bucks. So I don't know. That's not, I mean, that's not easy. And I remember being in that season and thinking the same thing and, uh, and just being like, God, something's got to happen here. You know what I mean? And as much as we want to make something happen, God knows and has this perfect timing. And it's easy to say, oh, well, the Lord's timing, he'll make it happen. You know what I mean? It's great to say that kind of stuff. But when you're in the middle of it, it's like, 
make it happen. You know what I mean? And uh, in a nice, you know, humble way, of course. But that's that's kind of, you know, we're all human and we all think that way. And the reason I think I was able to sort of persevere during that season is that uh, we had made a decision and uh, it was based on what, what God had spoken to us. And there, I think there's kind of two primary paths in life. And one is if you are going to be in full-time ministry, like you want to be a, a fivefold minister in terms of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that kind of thing then I think that everything you do in life uh, gears and centers yourself around that. It's like, oh, if you if you feel like you're called to be a pastor, then I think you need to be serving in, in a church in a greater capacity. And if that's you and you're in this room, then please talk to me or Paige afterward so we can let you and get you involved in a much higher capacity. But if you feel like, no, that's not me, but I still, I, I'm a believer. I want to be in the mission field, which is business and the world and all that kind of stuff, just working and then being an active part of the church, then you have to sort of align your life accordingly. And I was reading a quote from a, a pastor friend that I like, and he said, if the gospel doesn't work in the business world, then it doesn't work anywhere. Right. And, and if you're not called to full-time ministry, then you are called to full-time ministry in the business realm. And it's our job then to be reaching out to others in our business field. We're supposed to be pastoring and shepherding. God has put those people and put you in a place at your workplace to affect them, not to be infected by them, because that's what will happen You know, as culture goes on. It's going to just continue to impose itself on us, but we need to be able to control the atmosphere. There's a difference between a thermometer, which simply reads the temperature, and a thermostat, which sets the temperature, right? We as Christians and as disciples, we're the ones who are supposed to be setting the temperature at work. If work is a sad, tired place, it's your job to bring life to it. And you're called to do that. Don't get sucked in and be sad and gloomy also. But you have to show people, and you don't have to be like, you know, necessarily reading the scriptures and singing, you know, jamming worship music or whatever. You can if you want to, and if that works, great. But you have to be able to find the way to bring and show the love of Jesus in, in a glorifying way that just slowly begins to work people in. Jesus was very much a, a go and tell and a come and see. And when we come in on Sunday, we're come and see what the Lord has done. Let's talk about oh great things he's done or maybe some trials we're going through. But then also the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday, we're, we're going and telling the world. And so I was able to make that decision and able to not look at the dollars and cents, so to speak, because I knew that God had called me to be in full-time ministry. And that there was going to have to be a lot of sacrifices that I would have to make. And I remember going into an interview in San Diego and, and really feel like this was a really good interview. I felt like I got the job. I had a friend who worked there. He's the one who had basically networked me in. And uh, as I was walking away, I just felt God say, is this what you want? Is this what you moved to San Diego for? And the answer was no. And uh, because we moved there to be on to be full time ministers, to be pastors on staff, and well, I didn't know there was like I said, there, paid to, there was no option for us to be youth pastor because there already was a youth pastor. But when I said no and said, God, I want to do Your will, and and I mean just over a series of events, you know, months later, we became the youth pastor, and it was because we kept on putting uh, our will down so that God's will could be elevated. And like I said, that, that's not easy to do, especially when you have a child on the way and you live in Southern California and everything is 10 times what it should be for no reason, you know what I mean, other than the beautiful weather and all beaches and all that kind of stuff. You know, but it, it's hard to do that when you need to make finances to support your family, you know what I mean? And as, you know, as, as both of us wanting to be hard workers and diligent, we don't want to let anything go to the wayside or miss any opportunity, but we have to know that God's opportunities are always better. Right. And there's times when we are storing up treasures in heaven, but it's also nice to store up treasures in a bank account as well. You know what I mean? And uh, and that's where God God provides for us. And he allows us to do that. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Don't want to talk about relationships. Okay. OK, I'll start there. <laughs> One of the things that we uh, you know, it, it was kind of funny the way the way our moving worked out. What? Uh, we didn't intend on leaving Seattle ever. There was no reason to, like I said, but, uh, my mom's like, yeah, it never should have been, you know, and that wasn't what I prayed, you know? And so there was a series of verses that over the course of our history that God really spoke to me. One of the first things that when we were praying about San Diego and even being a part of the church was Luke twenty four forty nine, and, and Brian can put it up on the screen there. It says, uh, but you shall tarry in the city until you are endued with power from on high. And uh, Terry, in the city of Jerusalem, just go back one for me. 
Yeah, behold, uh, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And that was a, wor- a verse that spoke to me. You can just leave up just 49. A verse that spoke to me because we were part of the city church was the name of that church that we were a part of. And God was like, just tarry in the city. And uh, I was like, okay. And even when we were in San Diego, it was like, there were times when we we're like, should we just move home? We just call it quits. Things are not going the way we want them to do. God would just bring that verse back to remembrance, tarry in the city. Tarry just means wait. Just wait until something happens. And then we, they, they put us in the role of youth pastors. Like, yeah, this is it. This is a great place to be. You know what I mean? And, and God anointed us. And we had a lot of great influence. And uh, we saw a lot of young people uh, come and get saved. And a number of them go into ministry. We had uh, the church was a couple hundred. At the time, we had anywhere between 30 and 50 interns, college-age students, you know, and post-high school students who were going through Bible training. And that happened a lot. And people were like, wow, where are you getting all these kids from? And it was just the time and the season and the anointing on our life. And it was because we tarried. We remained in the city. And and then from there, it was like, okay, God, now what do you want to do? In 2009, we were kind of up for this transition. The church was in a, in a series of transition. We were like, okay, we want to stay in San Diego. We don't want to go anywhere. Who wants to leave San Diego? But God began to show us and in, in put in verse 50 then for me, right? The next verse says, and he led them out as far as Bethany and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And at that time, we were a friend of mine had called and was like, "Hey, do you you know could you come be a part of our church? We need an executive pastor." And we talked to a number of people, and they were like, "Don't go start a church. You got three kids who are in diapers. Still, do not do that. That'll just be a wreck on your life." We wanted to stay in San Diego, but God was beginning to lead us to get more uh, just influence and experience and all that kind of stuff. And the church that we ended up moving to was called Bethany, and it was like, "Wow." You know what I mean? And he led the, and he led them out as far as Bethany. And when you're in San Diego and going to and people when we moved to Baton Rouge, they were like, "Why did you leave San Diego?" And I was like, "It was only for the Lord, <laughs> right? It was only for Jesus that I would make that sacrifice." But he led them as far out as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And that entire time, uh, it was so great for us as a little family. We lived in a, t- in a town just north of Baton Rouge called Baker. And uh, we lived on the church property for a couple of years and there was nothing to do. <laughs> and which you say like, oh, that sounds horrible. But when you've got three small kids, it was the best thing for us. We could literally just hang out with our kids and grow and spend time with them. And, uh, and that's when Paige began to homeschool and, uh, and we loved it. It was great. And I mean, it was a great opportunity. And then as we were in Baton Rouge, we knew the whole time that God wanted us to plant a church. And Brian, we put up uh, 52 Verse 52. Uh, next one. And it says, uh, okay, go back one, sorry. It says, now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And Jerusalem is another name for the city of God. It says, so there they began to worship and they returned to the city of God with great joy. And it also says that they were daily in the temple worshiping and praising God. And that was like, that was the next season of our life. And it I don't think it always comes in a nice little four-verse package like that, you know what I mean, or three-verse package. I wish it didn't be like, hey, these are the four verses for your life. Uh, but it just happened to be that way. And you know, it was like we were in the city, and then we were in Bethany, and now we're in the city of God. And every one of those moves was not based on a career, even though we ended up getting jobs while we were there or having a job before we went there. It was because the Lord spoke to us. And that's a huge deal for any person is that did God speak to you? And you say, well, I moved and God didn't speak to me. That's okay. You didn't know to do that. Now you have that revelation. Now you have that understanding. Now you're going to be responsible to hear God for the next major move, quote unquote, in your life, whether it's moving physical geographical locations or just moving into new eras and new seasons. You have to get a word. Every season begins with a conversation. And that's something you should write down because you'll have a conversation with God, with somebody. And then what happens is you'll find that all of a sudden you're in a new season of life. And if you don't recognize it, you're going to miss out. If you think it's still winter right now, or you think it's summer right now, you're, you're in the wrong. It's spring. And so you may go to the beach and think, I'm going to go to the beach. It's so great. Then the water's 65 degrees and it's freezing, right? When you go to the beach in the summer, the water's a lot warmer, quote unquote. It's the Pacific. It's still cold. But the idea is that we have to understand the seasons and recognize the seasons, recognize the times where you're going. Every season begins with a conversation. That's good. good. Thank you. I'll I'll speak to that um, in regard to relationships in this whole journey. 
it was very different for me. <laughs> um, Mine was all like loaded. His is like loaded and, and you know, um, I could tell you some funny stories. I think when we first moved to San Diego, uh, we were, we were praying with some friends and I was still on the fence about whether we wanted to move. And he looks up at me, we're in front of two of our <laughs> friends and he looks at us and we've been married for six months and he goes, honey, I just feel like I've been lying to you. I feel like God has spoken to me. We need to move to San Diego. Okay. Take a a note. Don't ever tell your wife you've been married to for six months that you've been lying to her. That's just not the right way to start a conversation. It was a bad, it was a poor choice of words. It was a poor choice of words. Um, I've only gotten slightly better. (laughs) (laughs) But what I, what my point would be is, um, these were the words that God really spoke to Casey that led our family. Um, I'm kind of a modern woman. I'm not going to go just because my husband, I am submitted to him and I love him and I'm glad that he hears the voice of God. And that's what I would tell any woman out there that you want to find a man who is seeking God and seeking him first and seeking to hear his voice because when it has been tough or when he's been ornery, it's been like, you know what? You just need to go back and stand on that word that God gave you. Like, it's not my problem. I didn't drag you here, but as a woman for myself, and this is what I would say for any individual in a relationship, don't go on just that God spoke to someone else. Even if it's a spouse, you need God to speak to you and direct you because there'll be a time when you have a shaking deep down and you need to know what God has spoken to you. And so first and foremost, you have to be a person who is seeking first the kingdom of God, asking him to speak to you, asking you to shape you. But I would tell you, do not, do not marry someone who will not listen to the voice of God, who does not actively in some way, wherever level of maturity they're at, actively seek to hear God's voice and follow his direction. Because guess what? Any habit, anything can be changed by the Holy Spirit. It can't be changed by you. It can't be changed by your nagging. But if that significant other will seek God, the Holy Spirit will have his way with people and he will work on them for all eternity. It's not your job. And so um, for me, I've had my own set of scriptures as we've gone through these times and I usually get them kind of after, and I'm a little bit dragging behind and he'll get a scripture and I'll be like, no, okay, that's good. I want my own. And I have to go to the Lord and say, God, I need my own scripture because when life gets challenging, I have to say, all right, God, what was that sacrifice for? What was that, that, uh, that move for? Why am I here where I'm at? And I have to go back to God. Why did you speak to me? And so I would just tell you your strongest relationships are the relationships where both of you seek first the kingdom of God, whether it's a friendship or whether it's a, a, a romantic relationship or whatnot, people who seek God with you and encourage you in that way, or a friend who says to you, so, so what has God said about that? Right. You know, you might have your friend that you can talk to, but man, the, the, the friends that have helped lead me and guide me and help me stay where I know I need to be are the ones who always will ask me, well, what has God said to you about that? Right. Where has the Lord led you on that? Or they've been able to just flat out call you out when you're like, you know, you, I don't think you've prayed about that. Or, you know what? I think you're twisting that to make that what you want, what you want it to be. And those are the kinds of relationships you want to cultivate in your life because they're the ones that will keep you focused on God and on the kingdom of God, uh, even in the day in and day outs. Yeah. I mean, the number one relationship you need to have in life is with Jesus, right? That's the one that goes on for eternity. Second, most important relationship you need to figure out and ask God about is who you marry. Because as Paige said, if, if you find somebody who you love, but they start going off into the weeds after, you know, two or three years or two or three days or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that, that's not a good idea. Right. And how many people, how many friends do we have who are in uh, abusive relationships or just bad relationships? And we're like, get out of it. Right. And then they'll break up and they'll run right back to that person. Well, that's, that's a horrible way to live life. We want to be people who are balanced and remain that way. And, uh, you know what I mean? God has somebody for you. Is there just one person? I don't know. There's, there may be a bunch, you know what I mean? But there's one person. Yeah, find the one. Yeah, find the one out of the out of, Find one out of those. This is in Utah. Find the one out of those. <laughs> Some of you get that on the way home. Find the one out of those uh, that is going to go with you and grow with you. And that's one of the things that obviously I, I love about Paige is that we, we definitely sharpen each other and we're also growing. And yeah, we cut each other slack, give each don't. other. Oh, we don't? Oh, okay. I cut her a lot of slack, it seems like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Zing. And uh, but the idea is that as you're growing together, you, you want to be in a state of learning. And this is why, I mean, this is not a hard and fast rule. Uh, but as you're younger and you get married younger, you haven't formed an opinion on stuff. 
And so you can grow in your thoughts and desires with that person. As you get older and you've lived alone for longer and you like things a certain way, then you marry somebody who's also been alone and has seven cats and they like things a certain way. And then you get married and it's like, I don't like cats. I love cats. You know what I mean? And there's all these, you're grinding over every little decision because you've essentially identified yourself and that's great without somebody and that's good. But then from there, you have to really break down and allow those sort of preferences to fall by the wayside. And that happens even in our relationship with Jesus. When you're young and you accept Jesus, then it's just kind of like, yeah, this is cool. I don't really, I don't really know anything anyway. So I love serving God, right? Then all of a sudden you start going and start having preferences and, and opinions, all this stuff. It's like, well, maybe I don't agree with God. And that's where it's like, no, you got to go back to the word and say, no, I disagree with myself on that arena. And I need to drop those opinions because those ones are wrong. And this is where we see uh, people, I mean, the rate of, of Christians who leave Christianity after high school is something like 75%. This is an old stat. But the idea was that they they were just being told what to do all this time. And then when they start realizing I can do things on my own, they're like, well, I don't know if I like this anymore. Well, we want to get our children and the generation below us to love Jesus and to make informed decisions as they go along so that when they graduate high school and move into the, the area where they're beginning to form opinions that they realize this is how I form my opinions through the lens of the word of God about everything, about even who my friends are. And that's where it's like, sometimes you have to choose friends who are serving God. And then you need to be relating to people who are not serving God, but you have to choose how much time you spend with them. And you ask the Lord about that. Amen. How much time should I be spending with that? And that's why church, the church gathering on Sunday is so important because we can all say that generally we're all serving God. We're all going after God and you're going to find encouragement and it's going to be like an oasis in the midst of a desert. You know what I mean? It's going to be, Oh, this is awesome. I've been in the heat of the, of the laboring field all week. And there are people who do not agree with me and do not agree with my opinions or don't have the same worldview, but I come in here and we can have the same worldview that Jesus is number one and every Everything else comes second, third, and so on and so forth. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Um, I just want to mention something here with regard to, you know, we talk about like God spoke to us, you know what I mean? And uh, the scripture came to us. Can I tell you it's not because I sat down one day or we sat down and we're like, okay, we have a decision to make. Let's open our Bible and let's, let's stay here until God speaks to us. Uh, you will hear Casey and I harp or talk or preach or exhort or whatever on daily reading your Bible and the importance of that. None of this comes out of, I just got really smart because I went to school for it or because I'm a super spiritual Christian. It has all come as a result of, um, just a daily devotion life where you're tuned and you're, you're giving God an opportunity to speak to you. And so he can. And so I know, for example, one of the main things when we left Seattle, I just opened up to my daily Bible reading plan. I read a passage I knew very well, but in that instant it was different and it was life giving. And I knew that God was speaking to me for that situation that in my heart, I was saying, God, I need an answer. Another time, um, that God spoke to me, a word that I still stand on very dearly. My daughter was preparing a presentation and she was, uh, it was out of a Bible story and she was trying to get all the facts of the story, right? And so we were just reading through it and all of a sudden God just started speaking to me. And I was like, I was like, Oh, can you just give mommy a few minutes here? I just, I just, I could just tell God was trying to do something in my heart and my spirit. It was, it was the middle of the afternoon. We were trying to get a lesson done. We were trying to finish something, but I knew something in my heart and my spirit was pause right here. God wants to give you something that you're going to begin to build on. And so I share that because it's not because we're pastors. It's not because we've been doing ministry for a long time. It's a daily investment. It's just a daily investment. And, and it goes to God cannot draw on what you have not put in. Right. Okay. We were at the water park this last week and, um, I had to climb up a lot of stairs and it was really hard to draw on some fitness that I have not put in, put in. <laughs> we had these big, uh, what are they floaty things that we had to carry up to the top. And man, I was hurting. And after about a thousand stairs, I was like, I'm done. I just cannot do this anymore. My feet hurt. My arms were tired. And it was because I have not put in. Well, you can't, you can't draw on what you haven't put in. Yeah. And, and so that's where we, we speak so strongly, you know, 
put a little bit in each day? What can you do each day to just put a little bit in? Because then God can say, you know what? I can draw on that when you're in your time of need, when you're in that moment, when you're saying, which way should I go? It doesn't have to be this big, like, um, okay, what does God say in this? You know, he can quicken a word. He can draw it when it's deep down inside of you. The Bible said, I've, I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. When you've put it in there, he pulls it out right at the time you need. You have an arsenal of the word of God inside of you. And, um, I kind of reference this with regard to maybe raising kids. And I know there's not a lot of you in here doing that, but this yeah. could apply to a, a season like showing up at a new job. You don't all of a sudden have what you need just because you've entered into a new season. You have to, you can only pull out what you've gotten. I remember when the kids were little, the whole eating organic thing was like really the rage. Okay. So everybody's feeding their kids all organic stuff. And so, but we didn't eat organic. It wasn't our lifestyle. We still don't. And, um, (laughs) it wasn't our lifestyle. It wasn't something that we had internalized and made ours. So guess what? Oh, I spent the money and I bought my kids the organic puffs and the organic baby food, but we don't eat organic to this day because it's not a part of who we are. And so you will not arrive one day and then all of a sudden just transform into this Christian that has all the answers or, or has the, 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 the spirit of God in your life. If you have not invested into it and truly made it a part of who you are and your lifestyle. And so don't be caught off guard or don't be naive to think that it's just going to magically appear like a unicorn frappuccino. Right. <laughs> With 70,000 grams of sugar. Uh, you know, part of it is, is we always talk about, we want to be living life on purpose. I mean, not just accidentally coming into things. And when we don't have a perspective that God is the creator and God knows what's going on, then everything is an accident or luck. Oh, I got, how'd you get here? Oh, I got here by luck. I get, in a, well, we believe that Jesus is, is, we're praying and we're seeking God. We're seeking his direction that God is going to direct our steps, right? The proverb says the man makes the plans, but God directs the steps. So we have these great, I want to do this and I'm going to do that. And then God directs our individual steps. He tells us where to put our foot and when to do it. And if we're listening to him and sensitive enough to listen through reading of the word, through the preaching of the word, through, you know, whatever it is, just being open and receptive to him speaking to us, then he can allow us to direct steps. Looking back on our life, like I said, Paige said, it's not because we're, we're, we were supposed to be pastors that all these things happened to us. It was because we just kept hearing from God and allowing ourselves to hear from God, even when it came to our sort of own personal, you know, shelter, food, clothing kind of things of it was a necessary sacrifice. It was a worthy sacrifice. And I said in the beginning, you you may not be called to full-time ministry and that's okay. But each and every every one of us should be a full-time minister in terms of we're serving others. We're living an example for Jesus in everything we do. And so the reading of the word on a daily basis is we call it feeding, feed on the word, feed in prayer, feed in the word, feed your spirit. What do you feed your spirit? You got to give it worship because God can only be worshiped in spirit and truth. You got to give it the word because God's word is spirit. And that's how you grow strong in the spirit in a, in a regular basis. And you'll find that if you do this on purpose, that at the end of the year, you have covered your entire Bible, which is just a great feat and all to like, I read the whole Bible. That's totally cool. But then also you realize, man, a lot of things started coming together and clicking. And even when they weren't clicking, so to speak, and weren't perfect, I still felt peace in the midst of it. And that's what the world really wants, is they want to be able to walk through trials and stand still and be able to say, man, this this is not because of me, but something helped me through this. And it wasn't something, it was someone. It was God helping us through that because we put first Him in every area of our life. And we want to be a church that continually and consistently is constantly growing. That's one of the part of our our mission statement is fully formed disciples on mission. And the first definition of disciple is a constant learner. And if you have arrived at the ripe old age of 28, 24, 20, 35, 48, whatever it is, uh, then just rethink because there's a lot more in God to learn about. And even now it's like, I've read my Bible a bunch, you know what I mean, uh, on a daily basis for 15 years. And there's times I read it, I'm like, I don't remember reading it like that. That's cool. That's a really good thing. Because God, he's so deep. And we just scratch the surface on, on a lot of things. But there's so much more to learn about Jesus and learn about people and all these kind of things. I was reading some some wayward pastor made the quote. He's like, if we need a, uh, an ancient book 
to tell us how to deal with people, then we've missed it. And I thought, that's the opposite. I need that ancient book because God is infinite in his wisdom. And as I've said this numbers of times on a Sunday morning, if you read the Proverbs and then you go read the news, you can know what decisions are good decisions and bad decisions because Solomon is just laying it out, man. He's like, people are liars and people need help, but those who follow God, those are the ones who are going to come through it. You know what I mean? And even David, his father said, he's like, man, I, I've, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor, the, the, nor their descendants begging for bread. We are the righteous That's right. and he's never going to forsake us and we're never going to have to beg for bread. Why? Because he will show us how to be diligent. He'll lead us into still waters. He'll lead us into greener pastures. He will lead us and guide us if we let him. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anything else you want to say? No. Cool. Yeah. Finances. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, an important subject and it's something that we've, we've put God first and, you know, it. we've been blessed because of it. Like I just said, David just said that. You know what I mean? I've, I've been young and old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging for bread. We've got three growing children who they don't eat a ton, but they do eat a lot all the time. And they're growing and their hunger, you know, is only going higher as they get to become teenagers and all those things. But we've we've been blessed the whole time. There's been times when we've been in debt and God provided a way out of it. You know what I mean? And part of it is that called control your spending control your spending yeah part of it is because of that but also we've been tithers for a long time and you may not believe in the tithe and what's that yeah i don't know if i've told this story or not probably not to you guys so there's um i grew up believing in the being taught to tithe which is to give god the first 10 percent and so a church that we what me too Okay. And, um, I'm just saying like, I grew up as a kid that way. I mean, and I make my kids too. I love it when I see their little offerings come through and their tithes come through. You, you give God your first 10%. And so I had done that. And so I was living at college and you know, I had, well, never mind. I had money. And so, you know, uh, nobody, my parents didn't see it at all. All right. And so, you know, I mean, you got expenses. I need to buy that shirt. I need to put gas in my tank. Like you just, you know, so I kind of just stopped tithing. Well, we were going to church and the pastor just, it was, uh, to, to make it sound right. He just had an anointing to do this in this moment, but he read the scripture about that. If you, um, don't tithe that you're under a curse. And so he said, and this was just a moment in this church. We, We won't ask any of you. There's no condemnation, but anyway, he's like, if you're not tithing, you're under a curse and you need to stand up right now. And we're going to break this curse off. (laughs) And the conviction of the Holy spirit just hit me because I was like, Oh my gosh, I haven't been tithing. I've been, you know, just spending that extra money. And I'm sitting in church with my whole family, you know, and it's like, you don't. And I mean, I just knew I had to stand up and I stand up and everyone in my family just turns and looks at me. They're like, no, like how could, I just, how could you, but I'm telling you that was God working in my life of just like, I was like 19, 20 years old. And it was really God saying, Paige, as an adult, what are you going to do yeah. as an adult? How are you going to serve God? Many of you might have been raised in such a way, but there comes a point when it comes to what of this are you going to do as an adult now? Because yeah. you believe it, because it's what you want, because it's what you feel the conviction is. And I know from that point on, I was forever convicted about just the tithe and making sure that I honor God with that. And, you know, I'll be honest. There are times sometimes it's painful when I do the math. I'm like, I could really, really use that. There are some things that I could put that, that for, but you know what? Um, it's like Casey said, God has always provided for us and he has always made a way. And we have a lot of kind of crazy stories when I think back on it. And so I would never trade that for anything. And I've realized in my life, I cannot outgive God. And when I think that my 10% is so, so much and how sacrificial that was for me and how hard that is or whatever, I feel like God just reminds me of his bigness and his goodness yeah. and how I have been blessed and that I have had a great life. And so, um, I don't know. I just thought I'd share that. It was funny. So yeah, and it's- if the Lord speaks to you. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do that. Okay. And there is no condemnation. You don't, you don't have to tithe, but you don't have to be blessed either. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you think I'm, it's kind of, it's funny and, and I'm joking, but on the, on the, um, we're very serious. Like we have tithed and we have, we have never been forsaken by God. Yeah. And we've got three kids and yeah, there's times when I think about that and I'm like, Oh, how can I provide? And I don't think about how I have to provide. I said, God, you said you were going to be the provider. And in that Malachi verse, which is one of our favorites, he, he says, you know, like he, they, he says to the, you know, the Israelites, he says, 
you know, are you going to continue to rob me? And they're like, well, how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithes and offerings. And they're like, well, what do you mean? He's like, look, if you tithe, I will open up the windows of heaven over your life. And we have had an open windows over our life for dozens of years. My parents, same way. Her parents, same way. Been tithers for number, you know, decades. And have there been bad times? Sure. Financial bad times? Rough spots? Absolutely. But through it all, looking back, God has always provided. He says, see if I'll not open the windows of heaven over your life. I will rebuke the devourer. And you're like, well, what's the devourer? The devourer is those little things that just continually cost you, like your wheel getting stolen off your car in your driveway. You know what I mean? Things like that. Flat tires. I mean, it's the devil just coming in there. He just wants to rob your joy, wants to rob and steal the harvest from you. And God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And we want to be a church that we want to be generous. We want to give and we want to be able to bless other churches. And we're working towards getting even more sustainable as a church and all this kind of stuff. But we want to be people that are generous and giving. And the the, the very first step is showing the tithe, bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Some of, uh, I think, a great example, even within this church, that's not us or my family. John and Don are excellent at giving. I mean, and we'll have them share maybe in a couple of weeks or so. But they, they one of the things they do that continually blows my mind, if they get a raise, they give the first fruit. And you say, why would they do that? Because the Bible tells them to do that. It says, give of the first fruits. And I hope they don't mind them sharing. It's too late now. You know what I mean? <laughs> give of the first fruits of your increase. Bring it into the storehouse, which is the, the house of God, the local church. And they have been blessed over and over and over and over and over again. And it's a decision that they have made as a couple. It wasn't like John's great idea or Don's idea and someone had to just tow along with it. They made it together as a, as a husband and wife and said, this is how we're going to live our life. This is how we're going to, and they have been blessed. And, and I love it. I love seeing that. And we need to have more of those testimonies and we want to hear more of those testimonies. We, as, as a husband and wife have been incredibly blessed because of it. This church exists because of the blessing of God, the hand of God, the grace of God, several thousands of dollars have been given into it. You say, where did it all go? Went all into the mugs. Uh, no, I'm kidding, but it's come into, and it's allowed us to do things. And, and be a blessing. And we want to continue to grow and we want to hire on staff and, and buildings. And we see locations all over Los Angeles, right? Changing culture where people can come in. And, and I understand it, it takes a little bit to kind of get acclimated to our culture at City of God because it's healthy. And when you go from unhealthy to healthy, it takes a while to get acclimated. You know I mean, you don't just go from eating ice cream on Sunday to eating kale on Monday morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you do, let me know how you did it. I'd love to hear the secret and we can put a book together or something. <laughs> but it's when we move out of these unhealthy cultures, which a lot of us are just in day in and day out, and we don't even know it because we've just been born in it, raised in it, we're around it all the time. But when we move into a healthy culture and it's all of a sudden like, wow, there's order and there's focus on God and there's truth and accountability, that takes a while to get acclimated to. And you think, well, why doesn't this church grow as fast as that church? Because we're putting a healthy thing in order so that we can go for the long haul. We don't want to do five years and then burn out and be like, I'm tired of that. This stinks. No, we want to go for the long haul. And so we, we put things in place to grow and grow and grow. And that's a deep foundation. And we want that deep foundation to go into your life, your friends' lives, your family's lives and all those things. And so that's why we're saying get into the principle of tithing. Get into the principle of putting God first in your life. And that's what is what the tithe is. We can say, seek first the kingdom of God, and we'll seek him on the first day of the week, that Sunday. Yes, awesome. But will we also seek him first in our finances, giving him the first 10%? Oh, this, this is for you. I'm saying you to God in my life, in my finances, God, you're first. And I tell you this, an anointed 90% is better than a devoured 100%. And I, I, we say this all the time as a church, you will tithe to someone or something and ask yourself, this is tax season just got over with in case you missed it. <laughs> Hopefully you filed an extension. You know what I mean? Tax season, go through your bills and find out what you spent 10% on. And then ask yourself, did I get the return that I would have got if I would have sowed and tithed into the house of God where the bill or the devourer was it? He devoured. Well, the windows of heaven open over my life. And I can say every year I look back and say, I am so glad 
that I gave my 10%, every single check that came in, every single dollar that came in. My kids are doing it, and they're blessed because of it. And that's why we don't say that because we want to you know, build this multi-million dollar empire machine thing. We're doing it because we're saying, we want you to be blessed. That's it. Amen. Why don't you, uh, if you've got a moment, we're going to take up the tithes and offering right now. And uh, because it's, that's what we do. We want to be a church that gives. I remember the church that we were part of in San Diego and Seattle. There was another church in town, and they were in debt $100,000. And so the church that we were part of in Seattle, and the pastor was kind of like speaking kind of against that pastor. So he invited him to church on a Sunday and said, we will have a little gift we want to give you. And he gave him a big old fat check for $100,000. Why could that church do that? Because everyone, a lot of people in that church had a perspective that God was going to bless them as they tithed, and they did, and they were able to write a $100,000 check. And that pastor's mouth, who had been kind of speaking against our pastor, guess what would happen to it? Zip! He was like, I changed my opinion of you. Why is that? Because generosity will do that. Generosity shuts the mouth of the enemy. You know what? Fine. We'll just cover it. And they were able to help the body of Christ, and those churches grew together and were strengthened. And so, and that's what we want to be in LA. We want to help other churches. We want to help you. We want to help people get out of debt. But guess what? We all got to be on the same page. Yeah. We want to be a church where everyone is a tither. Everyone's given their ten percent. Why? So that we can go and we can do way more than ever thought possible. And we're already blessed, but we want to continue to be blessed. Amen. Amen. Let's just uh, grab our offering in your hand if you have it. And uh, let's just begin to pray. Father, we just thank you for today, Lord God. I thank you that, Lord, that each and every one of us, uh, Lord, maybe we can make the decision today. Not maybe, but we can make the decision to seek you first in your kingdom, Lord. Seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, Lord, knowing that all these things you want to add to us. God, it's not that you think it'd be a good idea, but you actually want to add the food and the shelter and the clothing and the windows of heaven being opened over our life. You want to add that into our life as we seek first your kingdom today. And so today, Lord Jesus, we just make a fresh commitment, God, to seeking you first, Lord, to putting you first on a Sunday, to putting you first on a Monday and a Tuesday, to putting you first in our thought life in our finances, in our relationships, in our future, in our decisions, God, to putting you first in every area of our life. And today, God, as we give and as we, uh, Lord, uh, sort of break up for the day, God, I pray that you would just continue to open up the windows of heaven over our life, pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. Lord Jesus, rebuke the devourer. We remove any roadblock today. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray a blessing over City of God, over each and every one of us as the church called City of God, that as we go out this week, Lord, that we would run and tell how good God is. And everybody who believed that shouted, Amen.